Welcome to the podcast. This is Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you're listening to this podcast. Thank you very much. One of the most common counseling questions that I am asked, if not the number one counseling question, is what am I to do when such and such happens in my life? Now, you can fill in the blank there for such and such. What am I to do when this thing happens or that thing? As I look out into the future and I have something that I want, something that I desire, how am I to think about that? How am I to respond? What we're talking about here is anxiousness, worry, fear. You see, anxiousness about a future desired outcome is a common concern for all people. That's why this podcast will benefit you. And if you want to read this podcast, you can go to our website. Look for this title, How to Find Answers Today for Tomorrow's Problems. Let me give you a couple illustrations. For example, now this is a pretty common one because I'm in the, in the counseling world. I will have counselors that I have trained. And I remember years ago, one came to me and they said, I have my first counseling session tomorrow. What am I to do? And, of course, my advice is always the same. Go to bed. Just go to bed. It's the best thing that you can do. You see, I can't answer that question. I can't answer it not in a definitive way because I have no idea what's going to go on tomorrow. So there's a tension here that you have to live within. Sometimes a spouse will come and say, you know, if my spouse does this and this, how should I respond? Or if they do that and that, how should I respond? I cannot answer that question. I do not have the information, but this is a worry question, and it's why I'm doing this podcast, How to Find Answers Today for Tomorrow's Problems. Now, what the person is asking is what to do when an anticipated future situation comes to pass, like the counselor that's going to their first counseling session, or like the child that's going to their first day of school, Tell me how I am to respond. That's an impossible question to answer in a definitive way. Think about this question for a moment. Is it possible for anyone to gaze into a potential future and tell the individual how to respond to that situation? Well, no, not not really. Or maybe you could. Think about it this way. I make Let's make a distinction between offering general guidance about future possibilities and giving definitive answers regarding future outcomes. There is a distinction between those two things. Now, you can give general advice about how school may be on your first day and some things to think about in your first counseling session. Or when your spouse comes home and is acting such and such, here are some general rule of thumb guidelines. But I cannot give you definitive answers regarding this thing that you have in your mind. Now, there are several reasons for that, that you can't give definitive answers. Let me share five of those with you. First of all, you have to know the exact details of the future situation. And nobody has that information other than God. Number two, you have to be clear on the context in which the situation happens. Number three, you have to know all who are involved in the situation. 
I don't know if my child's going to meet this teacher, that teacher. I don't know any of the students that my child's going to meet on the first day of school. And so I don't have that kind of detail to give you an exact answer. And I realize this is frustrating sometimes to people that come to us on the forum that, that they want a mapped out plan. They want a scripted plan of how to respond when this happens. It would be foolish on our part to answer that question because we just don't have all the information we need. Number four, you need to know what all will be said. Number five, you have to know what all was meant or intended by all that was said. Now, there are many other questions to be asked, but here's the bottom line. None of us will be able to answer definitively how to respond in the future, which brings us back to the conclusion I can't tell you how to respond in the future. But there are broader issues with trying to give answers to problems that may or may not happen. Now, here are two significant ones that I would like for you to put at the top of your list. If you try to give someone definitive answers of what they should do in the future, it's called scripting out your answers. Scripting out solutions to future problems negates faith in God. Imagine if the counselor came to me, and I'm going to my first counseling session tomorrow, the counselor says, and I script out the solution. I script out all the answers, and they go to that counseling session and just lay it out the way I script it out. That negates faith in God. Number two, scripting out solutions to future problems negates the Spirit of God meaning that we're not going to be able to live pneumatically. We're not going to be able to walk in the Spirit. There's no need for the Spirit's illuminations if we have all the answers, if we have it scripted out before us. If you have all the answers today for tomorrow's problems, you don't need to rely on God. That's the bottom line. And you don't need to seek the Spirit's input in the moment of the need. Now, when Paul talked about these things, he framed it this way, and this is the text of Scripture that that I want you to think about in this idea. Again, the podcast is in the article on the website. It's titled, How to Find Answers Today for Tomorrow's Problems. And the text that I want to use to frame this podcast is Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. This is what Paul said, My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, now, here, here's what he said. There's two things that he said. Number one, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Number two, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so there's a dynamic tension here. There's two things. There's two responsibilities that are going to happen here. One, you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Number two, God is working in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see, Paul was aware of the potential for a pastor, a counselor, or mentor dependence. You see, Paul was saying that, I, hey, you all did well when I was here, but now I'm not here. And I want you to not only do well in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God that works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. 
Paul was aware of a mentor dependence. He was encouraging the Philippians by reminding them how they all they possessed everything that they needed for life and godliness. I mean, basically saying, you don't need me. When the counselor comes to me and says, how should I respond tomorrow with when I go into my first counseling session, you know, I say go to bed and rest. I could say, you don't need me. Maybe I'll say that next time. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because God is working in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Paul is letting them know that the Lord will complete the work that he has begun in them. He wanted to release them from worry regarding future problems because God was already active in their lives. The Lord's work would redound for his good pleasure and to their overall Christian maturity. Now, this truth of God working in our lives and doing a great work in our lives, it doesn't negate the need for a community. Paul was a community guy, and so am I. And the truth is that Christian maturity cannot happen outside a group of Christ-centered believers. The reason for that is, I mean, one of the reasons for that is because of the two, two great commandments, love God and love others. You can't do the one anothering in the New Testament without being in a community. It's not possible. And if you can't do the one another's in the New Testament, you're going to hinder your growth as a Christian. So Paul was a community guy. I am a community guy. He wasn't negating community when he was saying, basically, you have all you need for life and godliness and God is working in you, etc., Paul was not presenting an either this, God is working in you, or that, we need community. It was the need for both, relying on the Lord while accessing the community of faith. Now, Jesus spoke in a similar way. Listen to Christ when he talked about the future trouble that would come to his friends. He felt the necessity to elevate their God-dependence because he understood how, more times than not, life stresses would happen outside the immediate access of community input. This is how he talked about it in Matthew 10, 19. He said, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Maybe I should paraphrase this. Somehow, when the spouse comes to me and say, how should I respond when my husband does X, Y, Z? I should say, do not be anxious for how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. You see, Jesus was about to leave our planet, and he did not want his friends to think they would be operating without him. It was vital for them to know they could have access to divine input during a crisis at the moment of the difficulty. What you and I need more than answers to future problems is an active relationship with the Lord. That is way more important than getting our plan scripted out before we step into the future to act out those plans. We need a spiritual connection that will give us clear insight into the actual moment of our need. Now, this requires a cooperative effort between the Lord and us. 
The light that you have with the Lord is proportional to the amount of energy that you put into accessing that light. We don't want to presume on God's grace, thinking, well, I'm a Christian. God's going to give me everything that I need for life and godliness, and I don't have to do anything. No, what you have and what you receive from the Lord is proportional. This is why Paul is saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, because that light is proportional to the amount of effort that you put into accessing it. God is a working God. He is always at work in our lives. Even before we were born, the Lord was plotting a course for our lives, as we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. There is never a moment of our existence where our omni-God is not superintending over us while working a plan for His pleasure, His good pleasure, and our benefit. God is with us and always working in us. And you need to hear that over and over again. As you think about this future moment that's going to come to pass or may come to pass, you need to know that Omni-God is superintending over you, and He will give you what you need in that moment. The more difficult challenge for us is the amount of work that we invest in our relationship with Him. This kind of work that I'm talking about when Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it is important that you hear that theologically, correctly, biblically. The kind of work is not a condition that keeps your relationship with him intact. We're not talking about losing your salvation as though your behaviors could secure or sever your union with Him. You cannot secure your union with Him, and you cannot sever it, because if you have been regenerated by the power of the gospel, you are forever related to God based on His works, not ours. And it's important that you hear that. Sometimes people will read Philippians 2, working out your salvation with fear and trembling, and they will read it from a work salvationist perspective, thinking that they have to work in order to be saved. The work condition here, and it is condition, the amount of light you receive will be proportional to the amount of effort that you put into it. And so this work condition that I'm talking about is for Christian maturity. It's about the effort that you put into maturing your relationship with Christ. We're talking about sanctification. You could think of it similarly to your physical self. The more effort you put into being healthy, the more you will benefit from the work invested. The more effort you put into your spiritual self, the more you will benefit spiritually. It is because God has done a good work in you through salvation, that you are enabled to work, cooperate with Him regarding your sanctification. The everlasting unearned salvation the Lord gifted to you must be worked out for your benefit from the relationship that you have with Him, and you must work it out fully. 
It is possible for us to limit His work in our lives. If we don't maintain, if we are not working on our salvation, we can limit His work in our sanctification. Let me give you two illustrations of that. One, we can grieve or quench the Spirit's illuminating powers. Ephesians 4.30 and 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Number two, we can choose not to seek Him in our time of need, and we can become very unstable. This is what James was talking about in chapter 1, starting at verse number 5. He said, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. If you don't ask of God, you will be tossed as, as the waves of the ocean. You will be unstable. And so you can grieve and quench the Spirit's illuminating power. You can be lazy in your sanctification. You could choose not to seek, seek Him in your time of need, and you'll become unstable. These possibilities of quenching, grieving, instability, it places a requirement on you to work with God so you can benefit from what He provides. Now, I want to talk about your responsibility of working out your salvation, and I want to, I want to use three points. I want to, I'll make four points. I want to make four points that will help you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. One, number one, is intentional. A growing and maturing relationship with the Lord boils down to your priorities. You could frame that in a question. What is your number one life priority? If you are a Christian, then your number one life priority is not salvation because you already have that, and it cannot be secured or severed because you already have it and you can't lose it. So if you are a Christian, what is your number one life priority? How you answer this question will define how helpful the Lord will be to you when you need Him. Let me answer the question. The most important priority for you to have is your sanctification. I'm talking about the level of maturity that you have as you relate to God and others. Is your sanctification your highest priority post-salvation? Are you taking responsibility for and being intentional about Christian maturity? To have this kind of value on sanctification requires intentionality. There's no way around this. You have to be intentional. Too many Christians are too busy to make their sanctification their highest priority. They are intentional about other things. They don't perceive their sanctification as their highest value. And quite frankly, they don't allow intentional time to mature in Christ. Now, this reality is ironic because these same Christians typically spend more time trying to diffuse this, the dysfunction in their lives than doing the preventative sanctifying work that could circumvent their priorities, I mean their problems. It's the difference between firefighting and being preventative. Or as one man said, I don't have time to sharpen my axe because there's too much wood to cut. There's no intentionality about growing in their maturity. And I see this all the time with folks who come to us for counseling. They haven't been intentional in their sanctification, and their house has fallen in, and now they won't help. Now they're firefighting because they haven't been doing the preventative work. Are you an intentional Christian when it comes to your sanctification? Tied to that and what flows out of that intentionality is number two is effort. Working out your salvation requires work. Now I realize this should be obvious, but sometimes the obvious is missed. While grace is opposed to earning, 
Grace is not opposed to effort. The Lord gives us the grace to be saved, and He gives us the grace to work it out in our sanctification. Grace is opposed to earning, but it is not opposed to effort. The lazy Christian is akin to the person who has no self-control over their eating while complaining about their weight and other ancillary health problems. It's similar to the person who complains about their poor marriage but refuses to recognize the sin they are contributing to their miserable marriage. You can't have it both ways. You should not complain about your health when you're sabotaging your health. And you should not complain about your poor marriage when you won't stop wrecking it. To work hard is not easy, but there is no other way to mature in Christ. Our first call to action, after we establish our sanctification priority, we're going to be intentional now, and sanctification is our priority. We're intentional Christians. After we do that, our first call to action is to make clear active, and practical plans to change ourselves. It takes effort. Four things that can help you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Intentionality, effort, number three, tension. Now listen to this one. There is a tension in our lives that will always be in our lives that we will never rid from our lives. There is an element of mystery to our lives that will never go away. We will never be able to ascertain all the details, to make us comfortable enough to move forward with the decisions that we need to make. The counselor who's worried about the counseling session tomorrow will never be able to ascertain all the details that they need to move forward. You see, on one side, we have to have and understand that God is very active in our lives. That's one side. On the other side, we have... Sin that seeks to dominate our lives. And it's almost like we're walking down this ledge. And on one side, we see God working for us. And then on the other side, we have Satan who's working against us. That is the way that our life is. And this mysterious tension will never go away until Jesus comes back to rescue us from our wicked and dark world. And so it's imperative that we embrace this reality rather than being overcome by it. Part of embracing this tension means we have to live with a biblical expectation that sin will always remain. Now, this reality releases us from complaining about or being intimidated by our problems while empowering us to engage them with the faith and hope that the Father is working in us. There's the tension. Faith in the Father rescues us from the power that mystery can have over us. This kind of God-reliance opens the way for more direct and unhindered access to His wisdom. Can you live in the mysterious tension of light and darkness while resting in the power and wisdom of the Lord to help you rise above your troubles? Four things that will help us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. One, you must be intentional about your sanctification. Number two, you must be a worker. Number three, you must understand and find rest in this tension between light and darkness, good and evil. And then number four, reliance. Who are you willing to rely on in your time of need? Can you live like the disciples 
when they went into future circumstance, not knowing how things were going to go for them, they were told to rely on the Lord because he would give them exactly what they needed in those moments. The independent spirit will seek to secure all the answers before moving into a future circumstance. Self-reliance does not want to rely on God because, guess what? The Lord is too risky. The Lord is unsafe. He might not give me what I want. It appears to be wise to have all the possibilities buttoned up before you proceed. But this worldview defeats faith and weakens a person's relationship with the Lord. Now, this kind of unbelief is not new. Adam had the choice to rely on the Lord or trust himself. He chose his wisdom over the Lord's wisdom, and he was never the same. Four ways to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You must be an intentional Christian. You must put in the effort You must be able to live in the tension of good and evil, and you must learn how to rely on the Lord. Now it's time for you to self-assess on these four areas. Would you like to be secure about future decisions before you have to make them? This possibility is one of the fantastic things about Jesus. He was able to rest even though there was impending doom all around him. He did not worry about Tamara as though it was a thing worthy of today's mental space. He had constant connectivity to the Lord that enabled him to live in the moment, fully assured his father had his back. This kind of God-reliance did not come to him without hard work. Jesus was intentional. Jesus put in the effort. Jesus was able to live in that tension of good and evil. Jesus was able to rely on the Lord. No doubt God was working in him, and no doubt that Jesus was working hard too. How hard do you work on your relationship with the Lord. I want to ask you some questions about these four ideas of intentionality, effort, tension, and reliance. Let's take intentional first. Assuming you are a Christian, are you putting your sanctification at the top of your life's to-do list? Is that your number one priority? Salvation is not your number one priority if you are a Christian because it's done. There's nothing else to do with your salvation but sanctification Is it at the top of your to-do list? Are you intentional about your sanctification? Number two, would you discuss with a friend or discuss with others some of the ways you are working out your sanctification and the benefits that you are deriving from your work? And perhaps they would be willing to share those things with you too of what they are doing, how they are working out their salvation. Do you live in an intentional community? Number two, effort. Are you comfortable with saying no to others because of the need to work on your sanctification? What I'm asking here is that you are managing your time. You're not filling your day up with all these other things that are going on in your life that your sanctification is set on the side. Are you comfortable with saying no to others because you have a higher priority of sanctification? Number two, 
talking about effort here, what is something you need to remove from your schedule so you can work harder, so you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling? What is something that you need to set aside? Talking about effort. Number three was tension. Do you see sin's imperfections? When you're walking down that ledge and you look off to the right, you see Satan and darkness and evil. You see sin. You see imperfection. Do you see sin's imperfections as opportunities to trust God and move forward? Or does that evil paralyze you from taking action? And then number two, would you be willing to talk about how living in an evil world is a positive that motivates you to lean into the Lord. Omni God is orchestrating things, and sometimes he brings thorns to place into our flesh so that we can learn how to depend on him more. Can you live in the tension between good and evil? And then number four, reliance. How does having all the answers, you have the scripted out answers for your future, how does that impede your need for the Lord's wisdom. Do you see the danger in having all the answers? The folly, the lack of faith in having all the answers for the future? We're talking about reliance here. Number two, how does not having all the answers strengthen your faith in the Lord? The title of this podcast and the article that's on the website, How to Find Answers Today for Tomorrow's Problems. I'm taking Paul's text from Philippians 2, 12 and 13. He said, My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions about this podcast, about the article on the website, Go to our website, rickthomas.net, get your username, your password, make sure you're logged in and you can ask us anything. It would be our joy and our privilege to serve you. I'm so glad that you listened. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.